Hello, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Misfits and Rejects with Gilberto and Irene, a really cool couple who has a very fascinating tale of you know, their upbringing, which both were had to flee their countries of origin. Gilberto from Mexico came across the border to the States when he was you know, eight years old. Um, Irene had to flee from Albania to Greece you know, when she was 11, and both have really interesting perspectives on what it's like to be you know, an undocumented citizen in a country, how they're treated, what life was like for them, and then their chance encounter meeting in Greece and the love story that has followed since. Really cool, really inspirational. I think a lot of you will be able to relate to just the core values that they hold as they're raising their their family and what their goals and intentions are with life. Really cool story of lifestyle design as a couple. And just remember, you know, Misfits and Rejects is heading back to Thailand. Um, I would love it if you'd follow me on Instagram. You can go to Misfits and Rejects and follow me on Instagram. Um, just kind of continue to see how I'm shaping and designing my life. You know, I'm trying to lead by example, not just trying to tell you that you need to make a change and I'm not making a change for myself. You know, I'm really pushing and striving for this online business thing to take off. So I'm heading back to Thailand where I started originally, um, in 2015. So you'll be able to follow me. I'll be more religious about posting pictures and little videos and stuff on my Misfits and Rejects uh, account on Instagram. So you can follow me there. And just if you like Misfits and Rejects, want to support Misfits and Rejects, take out your phone, hit subscribe on whatever podcast player you're listening to it on. Make a comment um, on iTunes. That really helps me as well. Um, if you want to support Misfits and Rejects with a little financial donation, you can do that uh, through Patreon. Misfits and Rejects is on Patreon and fans can support with a, a monthly donation of your choice. All helps. Nothing is expected. So I just appreciate you and hope you enjoy this episode with Irene and Gilberto. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm joined by a couple who I reconnected with during my 20-year high school reunion. You might remember Sarah White from episode 93, who I also connected with at the same reunion. And just getting to reconnect with these folks and other folks has been so cool because so many more stories have been brought to light. And I think that their story is unique in that they come from very different backgrounds. They found a love in a very unique place in this world. And they're designing their life in a very specific way with their family at the forefront of how they choose to make decisions and, and moves in life and, and where they're going to reside and how they're going to do it and what they're going to do. And I think it's, I think, really relevant to a lot of people's situations out there. And I think it's just wonderful to welcome Irene and Gilberto Cardenas to the show. Gilberto and I went to high school together. We've gone back for a long time. Um, and just reconnecting with you at the high school reunion was amazing, man. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here. Hola. Hola. Como esta? And then Irene, I mean, you meeting you is super cool. You're Albanian by birth. Grew up in Greece. Like, yes. wow. Like, that's... And then you guys meet each other in Europe. Like, 
we're going to have some cool stories to share with you all right now. So why don't we just start here? We're going to kind of start, I think, with both of you telling your backgrounds individually. Mm-hmm. So Irene, maybe we can just start with you and you can, and you can just tell me a little bit and tell the audience, please, what it was like growing up in Albania, which was a very communistic country into the age of 11. What was that like for you? Well, um, I didn't know how the outside world was. Um, like, we didn't have the television to tell us. We didn't have any other connections. So I used to think of people from other countries as aliens sometimes. Like, I was so curious to just see them. What, what? Just see them. What does that mean? Like, how would you see them? Because you're obviously, your media was controlled by the government. Exactly. So what would you see? Like David Hasselhoff from Germany singing <laughs> German songs on... No, no. Uh, th- this is the point. We couldn't see even strangers. Uh, I mean, people from other countries. It right. wasn't allowed. But I had, like, one encounter when in my city there was a bus a tur- with full with tourists that came. And uh, I was just, like... Um, Flabbergasted, yeah, surprised. Surprised, like I, I was just looking at the people, and they they just seemed so strange. Like in what way? I mean, what was strange about them? The way they dressed, the way they looked physically, or no, just just that when when you know something is prohibited to you, um, you are just curious to know how they stand, how they sound, how their language sound, and you want to also receive how they look back to you. Did you get to interact with any of them and uh, ask? Not too close, but uh, they. I, I, from what I remember, I think they looked. They looked confused too. Interesting. <laughs> That's so interesting. It's like we were both seeing each other um, in a very strange way. And so, you were eleven when you left. Mm-hmm. You know, with the eleven years you did spend there. What was a daily routine like for you? I mean, I, mean I've, I had the pleasure of having food tonight with you that mm-hmm. you made. I met your mother, you know, who's Albanian, obviously, by birth. Mm-hmm. Um, still only speaks her mother tongue. And, like, making fresh bread. And, yeah. like, I mean, what's a daily life like in Albania back in those days for um, you? I have good memories, I can say, because uh, at the time my dad had a good job and we weren't economically doing very bad, but... In terms of um, childhood, I remember playing outside with my friends and we used to share everything. Um, I didn't know the school was controlled because I was um, like too young mm-hmm. to go through that. Um, I, I just have good memories. It's really uh, cool. But everything started uh, during when the communism was falling, when I um, saw this instability and after a little bit, me and my family fled away to Greece. So yeah, you, fam- you fled with your family to Greece because, just so the audience can understand what that really means, because from America... Also, at the time, because my dad was an officer, he was obligated to fight the people um, I see. that were uh, protesting, so my dad didn't want to do that, and um, he just resisted. Resisted? Resigned. <coughs> resigned. He resigned? Yeah, he resigned his, his, his job. That's interesting, I think, from an American perspective to really, I think, for them, everyone who's listening, who's from America, who's mm-hmm. never had this experience before, growing up with that capitalistic, like, sort of, you know, America, USA, yeah. and communism being the negative, and then to hear, like, oh, the wall falls in Germany, mm-hmm. but for you, communism collapsing in Albania leaves a gaping hole 
for a lot of things that no one wants to talk about. Yeah. Mafia, black market, um, warlords. We didn't like, used to have this before. People didn't used to have this. This came when, much more later. Okay. And uh, for, I, I think I'm, I was fortunate because I didn't have to leave these things. We, me and my family, we kind of left the country early where the instability started to okay. raise. What's it like when you flee a country? Like, what do you do? Like, how does it, how do you I flee? I remember I threw a black rock behind me. I said, I, I don't want to be in this uh, country anymore. Hmm. I remember doing that when I was uh, walking by the mountains for my first time. Uh, do you want to share a little bit about your journey, walking across the mountains from Albania to Greece? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, this is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Like, uh, at the same time, it was scary, but I had this strength in me that I really want to be away. Um, I didn't want to like to be controlled. I didn't wanted to see people fighting for buying, going to the store to buy some bread. And then I see friends of our, my family like being mean to each other. It's, it's, it was just bad. But like <laughs> when you, you're walking, like it's not like you got on an airplane no, and you no, flew. Like we, you had to walk. You had to walk because at the time, um, I mean, I don't know. I was too little to understand, but uh, who is there to pick, to pick us, to pick up? Um, and to take us to another place. I mean, mm. so we was had it to just do it you and your family, or was yeah. it like a group of people? Like, was there hundreds? It was of my you? family and other people too that we were just walking, uh, and just be careful so the um, the soldiers of, of Greece wouldn't uh, see us. But the, by the time I left, they were putting these people into concentration camps. Uh, but my family, because we had. Uh, some people that we knew from Greece since from a very very long time because my dad had some Greek roots uh, we were kind of more directed to where were we going you had a place to go so we had you a weren't place just to completely go, yeah. wandering but uh, as I grew up later when after when I went to Greece I uh, thought that uh, Greece would be my um, the place where I could reach my dreams and I could grow bigger and um, I kind of got a little bit disappointed later because um, I, I was never seen as part of um, being of, from that country. Not like I great. was always a stranger and then I would go back to Albania and I would be a stranger there too so I was kind of in between. And then I decided, you know, I don't like countries anymore. I just want to be me. I just want to be everywhere. I mean, I don't like this kind of thinking. I don't want to put borders on my mind. That's for the first time when I started hating borders, you know, and I never understood the borders. And I got this um, question on my mind, like, why do we have borders? Why things are this way? Like, how have we come to be here? I always had this question on my mind. And finally, I got most of them answered when I came here to US. and just going to school and getting educated. I really love America for this, honestly. Let's go more, I want to talk more about that, like that discovery you made when you did come here and, and what you, what conclusion you came to about borders. Like what, what has America taught you about borders that makes no, you No, America didn't talk me about not having oh, okay. borders, but America taught me why we have borders. More, can you tell me more? I'd like to learn. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, you gotta really go through the history of uh, since the recorded times, then you gotta go, you know, the scientific scientific 
work that has been done all these past years and then you kind of put everything together and you understand why each country and each re region is doing the way it's doing. Interesting, because yeah, you're a geography major now? Yes, I am a geography major. That's cool. And like we were talking about before we started, you didn't know you liked geography. <laughs> no, I didn't know it, and really I didn't know what geography actually was as a, as a study. Mm -hmm. it, it, I was like everybody else. Geography is just about countries, and you have to point out where it is. And, but it's much more than that, and I'm so glad I was able to find out. And I, I love my major now. That's so cool. Yeah. Very good. And then once you know why things are the way they are, I think you have the power to make changes. And I, this is what I, I aspire for the future. This is one of my, uh, has been one of my purposes now. And I just want to keep going. Like, whatever it's the cost. Well, you can see the smile on your face and the joy in your eyes. I mean, that's really cool. Um, I'm sure you probably had that when you were a child and other things, but it's cool to see and meet you and, and see those exciting opportunities for you. And then, Gilberto, old friend, <laughs> why don't you let us know about your upbringing? Because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I didn't know about you until yeah, tonight. It's, um, you know, Eudini and I share a lot of common historical um, qualities. Uh, we're both born in the same year. We're just a month apart. Um, I think our, our lives were really parallel, just in different parts of the world. Uh, I lived. I, I was born in Mexico. I grew up in Mexico. I was really happy uh, living um, in different parts of Mexico. I, I do have um, very fond memories, uh, just doing very eclectic things. From actually, when I was one of the earliest memories was going through the city dumps in Mexico City. Um, I found. A license plate, and my dad used that to become a um, a pirate taxi driver. Which uh, is, I'm sorry, Dad, if I offend you, but I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and we lived in the country for some time. Uh, we stayed in the country. I would go and uh, help my cousins herd sheep. Um, another fun memory I have is uh, we had a a coyote that had killed one of our sheep and we had to track it down to kill it so it wouldn't um, kill more, more of our sheep and we found a cave and I went inside the cave um, to see if I could find the coyote and I found a bunch of pottery and we didn't know why people left pottery there uh, so we took it all out and used it as target practice and with our slingshot we were just breaking it um, no, that's how ignorant we were. Um, but for us, it was fun. Uh, years later, uh, the whole area was closed down, and it was a huge archaeological site. And to my surprise, like I, I didn't know there was so much history in that area. Um, what area was this? Just this so was in Jalisco. 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 <laughs> a small area called Huascato. And... What I liked about my childhood was that I was free. I, I could do anything I wanted for the most part. Um, I had family that was very loving, very supportive. Um, and then we started going through some changes, both um, 
ecologically and through the government. We had a the huge earthquake in 1985, um, and that we were living in Mexico City at the time, so that that was a very terrifying experience. It was um, I still remember it. Um, just waking up early in the morning and, and just seeing the whole house shake and and seeing the streets just open up um, out in the street. Um, and then we had... Uh, the, I don't remember if I showed you when we went to Mexico City the, um, when we climbed the mountain, how there was this gas factory exploded. Yes, you did show um, There was this gas... Uh, a petroleum factory in our area that exploded. It turned out to be one of the largest disasters in, I guess, in, in the history of uh, Mexico. Um, Mexico. Um, a lot of people lost their lives, and and there was just a lot of instability. Um, you know, the government wasn't doing a good job um, maintaining the infrastructure, and there was a lot of corruption. Um, people were getting threats left and right so our our family left we had uh, we experienced the uh, the, I want to call it the Mexican um, diaspora like we we just left and we didn't know what our future was going to look like we came illegally uh, to the United States Um, and from one night to the other my life just became very different um, growing up. Can we, before we go on, I want to sure. actually touch on something because, I mean, 95, we were already in high school. Like, I was at Newport Harbor, mm-hmm. and you didn't even leave Mexico till 95? Oh, no, I left in 89. Oh, you left in 89. Yes. Okay, but you were visiting for the, the earthquake? and No, we were living there in 1985. So. Oh, 85. Okay, <laughs> I thought you said 95. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, I thought we knew each other for so much longer than this. <laughs> no, sorry, it was 1985. Okay. Um, and so that when you did leave, though, what was the route? How did you, just like your story, like how did you get to America? Yeah, I, I crossed the mountains. What did you cross? Well, <laughs> we had a long journey. Um, we actually had to get a, a coyote. Yeah. And there was a guy with a like pretty beat-up car that drove us for three days, three days. across across Mexico. Um, and I still remember the journey. It was a car just with my family, my sister, my mom, um, and my cousin. Um, my dad had already uh, come to the States. And um, it was like it was a, that would, it was a difficult journey. Um, we, uh, but when we crossed, um, everything, I was excited. What year was that? Like 19... 1989, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. When we crossed, I remember feeling we made it to America. Life is going to be so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. You crossed by foot. No, we crossed through the border. By okay. foot? Like you had illegal yes. documents or right. something like that? The, the coyote um, had taken care of everything. Um, and later on, um, through there was an amnesty, so my my family was able to um, apply for work permits and eventually uh, citizenship or residency and citizenship. Really cool. So I'm curious about, you know, 
I've heard multiple stories about coyotes taking people across the border or, mm-hmm. you know, doing what they do. To have a coyote who has connections in that way, like, you just walked freely across the border? Like, someone just said, like, all right, come on, and you just walk across? <laughs> well, um, I don't know the whole process, but that he knew who he had to talk to. Um, but you didn't have to show anybody documentation. You just kind of walked through. We had some documentation, but... I think it was just, this was back in the 80s, like, I don't know how legit it looked. Cool. Um, then there wasn't a lot of, um, he knew exactly what day, day or time of the day to cross, and he knew exactly which uh, plane to go through. Like, he I had see. everything planned. And then you get there, and your dad's waiting there with open arms, like, welcome to America. No, we, we got here, uh, he took us to his house, and he uh, basically called our relatives and said, they're not leaving until you bring the rest of the payment. Um, so it wasn't a, a big deal. Like my aunt actually came, brought the rest of uh, the, money. The, the money, and, and, and we were free, like, we got our freedom. Um, Wild. And this is, like, in what, Arizona or California? It was in California. It was actually in Santa Ana. You got all the way to Santa Ana before you allowed to leave the house. <laughs> and my family was living here in Costa Mesa, so um, we grew up in, uh, in here in Costa Mesa. We never left. Um, our plan was like this was going to be our sanctuary city, if you can call it that. But at the time, there was just a big influx of immigrants coming to the city and then going to other cities uh, from here. So a lot of my relatives. Um, went to other parts of the country. Um, and our plan was um, to grow our roots, just plant where we were at and just start a life. Um, I remember not understanding a lot of the customs and traditions. Um, I was amazed that people could throw really nice things in the trash. Um, and that was actually one of my favorite things, just rummaging through people's trash. I didn't understand that was the taboo um, until later on, but um, my family, we would wake up early in the mornings before people would wake up and, and just go through the trash and, and get all the things that were worth something or had some sort of value. Um, later on in college, I learned about sustainability and, and and just repurposing items so you know if I can put some sort of academic uh, relation content. to it yeah content I could say we were we were sustainable before sustainable before it became cool before it became cool I love it I think that's really cool um, to share that with everybody and really get a feel for you know what it's like for a lot of I think immigrants from Mexico because Southern California you know I think there's more Hispanics than there are gringos anymore mm-hmm. you know which is great I mean, I, being in Nicaragua for so long, can come in and just speak Spanish now to pretty much anybody. And they, mm-hmm. and they, or they come to me and they don't, like, they're like, I don't speak English. I'm like, that's all right. <laughs> like, let's talk in Spanish. So that's really cool. But so you had very different lives on very different parts of con- continents or different locations throughout the world. And mm-hmm. um, you went through high school in Greece. Yes. And with ambitions to do what? Yeah, K-12 and some years of the K-12 and later on high school. And you were just going through as just a normal teen? Like, did you have ambitions to become this type of woman in Greece or that type of business person? It was or? kind of hard to picture myself 
Okay. Because as I grew up, uh, I saw all my opportunities getting taken away, and I saw how. I mean, I can't blame Greece. We went there, you know, <laughs> but um, it, it was just hard for Albanians to get good jobs and um, like follow their dreams. They were like the. I could say like the modern slaves kind of mm -hmm. to get the jobs that the immigrants they always come in and do, yeah, the, do, yeah, the, exactly do the labor uh -huh. so my, my parents went through that um, <clears throat> and later as I was growing up I um, I, I went in a very difficult time in Greece because um, at the time Greece weren't providing any legal documentation for immigrants that were going there so they started doing that in 2001, and um, it was kind of already late for, for me. I had finished my high school, mm -hmm. and so I just had to make my way up um, to legalize myself. And it didn't matter that I had been living there for so long. It was still difficult. Very difficult, yeah. And the, the worst part is, not only for me as, a, as an immigrant, but also for, for, for uh, Greek people that uh, once you finish high school, you got to go directly to um, university. Um, and then uh, it's so hard that later to get a second chance if you, if you don't do that at the exact time or uh, yeah period of your life. Interesting. It's, it's a little bit harder to go back to school. And they don't, they don't provide any resources for people that for any reason couldn't go to school and they want to go back it's kind of very hard to do so it was difficult because you were an immigrant was to then transition into but university. even for Greeks if they wanted to study okay. later uh, it's second chance for study was very very hard to get and then so then what would you do for work I mean throughout the years after school yeah yeah so what was left for Albanian girls usually was even to work um, um, if you were outside of the big cities um there was agriculture areas, um, but I was I was living in a big city, so um, like you could work as a waitress, you could work as a cleaning lady, you could work as a nanny, as a nanny, and you could work as a if there was a factory, like you could go work there too. So I I chose mostly to work um, as a nanny. Some summers, though, I worked as a waitress but I didn't like it I was experimenting with myself mm -hmm. and then I decided to take care of um, elderly and um, people with disabilities I kind of find it more interesting to put my human values on them because they were more understandable I guess more vulnerable and uh, we, could, we could get a better connection I, I, I think. so it went well and then later on uh, um, I um, started to um, teach um, children in the of primary primary. Yeah, like um, preschool. Preschool, not not preschool, like primary. <coughs> yeah, at the primary. Yeah, like um, elementary school. Elementary yeah. school, I mm. will become like a private teacher and just go to rich families and teach them. And I think that was the highest I could do there. You know what? You both have the most gentle 
beautiful voices. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm watching you speak, and I've heard his voice for a long uh-huh. time, and he's always been very soft-spoken but uh-huh. eloquent. But you have the same tone. Like, you have the very same <laughs> delicate tone. Like, do when you guys fight, do you, like, raise your voice at each other? Or, like, um, or you just talk like that, like, can you please, can you please not you do so that? <laughs> Sometimes you've yelled. Yeah, but it's, it's like few. just a few times. It's hard. I, I know that um, it's not organic not to fight. <laughs> I've heard that too, but uh, it doesn't happen with us. <laughs> we are one of those strange couples that... Yeah, she's okay. teaching me how to, how to yell at our baby. You've got to be more strict. <laughs> yeah, make that Make tone. her believe you. <laughs> Let's talk about that. We're going to jump forward just yeah. a minute because I want to talk about that re- rearing a child from very different backgrounds. Yeah. You know, the Mexican background mm-hmm. versus Albanian Greek. I don't know what you identify with more at this point. I identify but... with both because okay. I kind of left, uh, I lived almost exact time in Albania. So then what is it like? But for... actually I lived more in Greece before okay. I came here. Yes. Culturally though, when you, you were raised the way you were, both mm-hmm. of you, and now coming together, do you agree with about everything or is it really difficult? I think we, um, we have values that we both um, I think the values is what yeah. keep us strong together, and uh, where from whichever background you are, you always uh, if you always have the same values, you just find this common. Yeah. You find good connections. Connection. Common denominator. Uh huh. So, yeah. what are those values then for you? <laughs> I think. Um, Be honest. Well, I didn't grow. No, up. I mean with. <laughs> 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 Uh, just honesty. Like yeah. Honesty is really big for us. Talk for that. Even if we don't like each other, yeah. we gotta say it. And we need to fix it if we can. <laughs> There's something that Irini said a long time ago. She said, when you love someone, you look at each other um, with passion, but you mm-hmm. also look in the same direction together. So I think It's we, not just this. Yeah, you know, we, we, gotta, just, we gotta look the same way together otherwise we can lose that but if we have this one too this is how we can make us stronger yeah so I think a lot of our values I I think a lot of um, a lot of the a lot of the work that we do is um, making sure that uh, we both support each other Mm -hmm. so um we both had to sacrifice a lot for mm-hmm. each other, and it's like we do it mostly for the end goal, which is. Um, I don't want him to get hurt. I don't want him to get sad. He doesn't want the same for me. So we will always, we never stop looking at each other yeah. to take care of each other. But we also want our daughter to have um, like a good, the same values that we have. Yeah, yeah. Just to be grateful, be. Be honest. Um, have humble, a good attitude. Yeah. Be humble. For, with whatever comes, like mm-hmm. have this good attitude. Mm-hmm. And pre-show, we were talking Appreciate. a lot about you making decisions to continue to cultivate a life where you can spend time with your daughter. Yeah. I mean, and there's opportunities that have come both of your ways that might have taken you in a different direction, but you choose not to go there because of the values you just described, wanting right. to always yeah. be present. So you're not necessarily aspiring to have that giant house. No. no. We have to work super hard. You never get to see your kid. You no. Know, it's just no. I tell him, uh, don't make me rich. If you want, if you are thinking that, I don't want to be rich. I tell him like. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I tell her sometimes, well, if you wanted that, you should have played the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you could summarize our values, it would be like maybe God, family, um, <laughs> traveling. And love. Everything. And love, yeah. Try Beautiful. to love everything. Beautiful. Yeah. I want to get to the love part in a second. <laughs> we'll first hear from Gilberto about... I mean, after school, I mean, you're great at math. You went to UCI straight out of high school and got a math degree? Well, actually, college wasn't even in my vocabulary. Um, I knew that I wanted to go to college, but I, I just didn't have the means. And being a, the undocumented immigrant, I would have to have paid the out-of-state or the, um, the international student fees, which I couldn't afford. That's um, hilarious. We make you pay international fees because you're just undocumented and you've been here for so long. Right. Unbelievable. So I, I couldn't get any assistance and I didn't know of any program that pro- would provide assistance to immigrants. I, I just, nobody in my family had ever gone to school, so I just wasn't aware. Um, I, I do remember having a lot of friends that didn't have to worry about going to college and they didn't have to worry about them. Having nice things, and I, I really valued that, and I, I kind of liked it too. Um, I remember going to somebody's house, and I'm not sure if it was their dad or their uncle, but they interviewed me, and I thought the questions were a little bit personal. Like they wanted to know how much money my family would make, or how much family, how much money my family made, um, what my political values were. Um, what my aspirations for the future were. Um, just a lot of questions just to see what kind of family I grew up in. And um, then they shared their, their story, how they had worked so hard and they got into real estate development and they make about $10 million a month. Which, a month? A month. Which to me, that <coughs> was unreal. I, I can't imagine anybody making that kind of money. Uh, but then they shared something interesting. They, they um, would travel to Mexico. Um, a lot of their properties were located in Mexico, and they actually wanted their child to learn Spanish. And I was thinking, well, you know, like, they're spending so much money to do that, and I already know how to speak Spanish. Why, why would I want to make $10 million a month to, to do the same thing? So that's, that's when I wanted to... Like, I guess do things that um, were just beyond what I could do and I uh, created a, a bucket list uh, during that time uh, in high school so it was everything I ever wanted to do um, by the time I died and I didn't know how I was going to do it but I just decided I was going to do it um, very first thing on my list was to live in another country um, and again I didn't know how I was going to do it you mean except USA? Right, mm-hmm. except the U.S. and Mexico. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do like what the, um, what my friends were doing at the time, mm-hmm. like traveling to Europe or mm-hmm. um, traveling to exotic lands. And I just had no clue. So I joined the military, and I got to see other countries. I got to live in other countries. It wasn't, um, I, I guess it wasn't like the way people thought you would live in a country, but I still got to experience um, being, or at least living in Germany, living in France, Belgium, Luxembourg, a lot of European countries. 
Um, another thing on my list was I uh, wanted to make my own money so I could treat my parents to something nice, and I was able to do that. I took them out to a nice dinner, paid for it myself, and for me that was that was my some some more simple and some more yeah, more like yeah exactly difficult to that was my initiation into adulthood. Um, I couldn't inherit the car or I couldn't have um, a house. like a party or something to say you're a man like for me it was just doing something nice for my parents and being able to take care of them when I got older um, then some things were kind of fun I wanted to learn how to cook just one really good dish and every time I cook it <laughs> like I can't compare it to my wife but my wife he still does yeah I still do sometimes. it <laughs> only on rare occasions uh, but I've been working really hard at perfecting it. Um, and what it's, is it? Um, <laughs> it's potatoes are gratin with uh, filet mignon and some steamed asparagus. Like very simple, but <laughs> it really hits the spot. <laughs> and that's like a dish that I've been working on many, many, for many years now. And I think I've gotten it down to a, a pretty good science. Um, and I wanted to do crazy things. Like I wanted to go streaking in the middle of a um, stadium full of people during a sporting event. And I got to do that. Which one? Um, there wasn't anything popular. It was a rugby game. I was in a rugby team. And um, that was down in the spectator seat, just uh, watching one of the teams. And I just took my clothes off, ran across the field, and... Nobody cared. <laughs> people do it this so often. This was in California? No, this was in Germany. Okay. People are more open in Germany. Um, they're more free, I could say. Uh, and then I had some extravagant goals. I wanted to be... Um, I, I, at the time, I said a famous photographer, but um, I just wanted to be like a well-known photographer, or at least a photographer that has made it in the field and I, I didn't know what that meant uh, so I set my own benchmarks I looked at what other photographers were doing at the time and I saw that if you worked for National Geographics or if you took pictures for National Geographics then that meant you made it as a photographer so that was my like, one of my benchmarks the other one was to have my pictures published in the cover of a magazine like I didn't care which one I just wanted a well-recognized magazine. And my third one was, you know, just for shits and giggles, to take pictures of the president. And um, I worked hard. Like, I, I taught myself how to take pictures, and I took courses. And everywhere I went, I would present myself as a photographer until people started believing. And out of the blue, I got called... Um, to do a National Geographic's expedition to do research and take pictures um, down in Mexico, uh, which was super exciting. Like It wasn't to actually take pictures that would go on the cover, but it was for research, so I, I, took, I took that. You accomplished it. And then um, a lot of other work I did got published in, a, in Zoology, which is a well-known scientific journal cover. I took it. Um, and then out of the blue, um, I got called by UCI to take pictures of President Obama when he came down here to deliver his keynote uh, speech. And I took that, and, um, and then I just said, hey, like I accomplished my dream. Like I, 
I thought I would never do this, but I did it. And um, before I, I realized, or before I met Didini, I had accomplished every single item on my bucket list. Uh, but there was two things that I hadn't really uh, accomplished. Um, one was uh, to finish my college degree, which I was working hard and I had gotten accepted to UCI that was studying math. Um, then I was about to finish it um, that year that I met Didini. And the second one was uh, to get married. I don't know why I put it on my list, but it was just there, because I thought that's what everybody did right? <laughs> by the time they reached a certain age. And I finished my math degree, and then I embarked on a journey uh, to take pictures in Europe. And then you guys met. So, as we were just discussing, like, this is... It's profound in many ways. I mean, in one way, like, you setting these goals and achieving all of them in the way you achieved them, I think is a telltale sign that anybody out there, if you set your mind to it, can do it. It might not always work out in the exact same way mm -hmm. that you had hoped or dreamed of, you know, but, like, this podcast, you know, like, if you're not happy with where you're at in life, maybe set a goal and try to move towards it in any way you can. You don't always necessarily get there mm -hmm. in the exact way, but... At least you try things things do occur mm -hmm. and and things that occur when you do go out into the world and try things new things do different things are things like you two meeting each other in the most random place the most random time so i'm gonna let you actually i mean to talk about this and 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 the experience because i mean you met in europe you met in greece mm -hmm. on an island yes in a in a country that they don't see a lot of mexicans <laughs> okay. and so it's like what's how does that work? How does that happen? I mean, this is kind of like that fairy tale that everyone wants to hear about, you know? So maybe talk us through that. So, yeah, I, um, my mom invited me to go with her to her friend's house because she had a beautiful ice house in an island. What was the name of the island? Ciros. And um, I hadn't been with my mom for a long time on a trip together. So, yeah. Um, and Gilbert, I saw Gilbert there for, for the first time, and his sister, and his parents. So we were all living in a big... Villa? Villa. But everybody had like a different uh, building. Department. Department. But it was like a property, a big property. And uh, I, I just didn't know he was my man, or I didn't think anything of that. <laughs> But we started talking, and it, it just went very well. We well, I just wanted to add that before I went to Greece, um, I had a dream that I was married, and that really scared me. Like, I, I didn't know what that meant, because um, I, I really wasn't planning on it. I had a dream, too three months before I met him, that I, um, it was a big tall guy with curly black hair, but I couldn't see his face, uh, but I, I knew he was the one, and I wanted so much to recognize him, but I couldn't, and he was the brother of a friend of mine, which actually, this is how it happened, it's, it's kind of crazy, like how, how this happened later, but, um, 
when I saw him, I didn't think he was the guy of my dream. Like it took me some time to um, recognize the face, <laughs> recognize the face, and just put pieces together. And yeah, but we started talking together, and um, we we just felt like two little two best buddies. Two best buddies, exactly. There's a lot of things that surprised me. She um, told me that she didn't know how to swim. Oh, yeah. And I mean, yeah, there is amazing well, things that happen. Yeah, happened. she doesn't know how to swim, but when we first met, we went swimming out in the sea. The whole, all the families together. Yeah, we went to this uh, beach. There. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like a little... Um, yeah, it was just like a little <laughs> beach, and I invited her into the water, and she was really shy because she couldn't swim. And she, but I didn't tell him I don't know how to yeah. swim. But she just jumped in, and all of a sudden, she knew how to swim. <laughs> really? I did. And then I was even pulling him. Yeah. <laughs> that was your first time. First time ever. <laughs> and I came out of the sea, and my mom was, when did you learn swimming? <laughs> how did that happen? I always used to just sit by the... By, by the, the shore. By the shore, yeah. Like, uh, I knew how to swim um, backwards, but never, like, as a normal person. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, one of the values that I talked about earlier is just is religion or, or God. And I think before I met Tirini, I wasn't really religious. Um, yeah, I was the one. But she started introducing me to uh, religion. Like the I was just putting theory into yeah. it. Like I was just wondering. I always wondered. I asked God about my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> like why? <laughs> and I would question her. And I, more because I wanted to like understand more. And I wanted to maybe poke fun at her. And there was this one time that we... So Ciro's has two churches, one, uh, they're, and they're both on top of uh, two hills. Uh, one hill is the Catholic church, and the other is the Orthodox church. And she invited me to go visit one of the churches. I was just trying to get him to relax, because I, I thought that he didn't have to relax himself. This was one of the things I pointed out. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I so at him and uh, I felt that he wasn't so cool I, not as I was but I, I, I had more trust in God like I would take things the way they were um, I, was more, I was more open on everything mm-hmm. he was more uh, protected you know he needed to know everything what's going to happen or he wanted to be so predictable I wanted him to make a step or to an agenda for everything an agenda for everything exactly <laughs> Yeah, so uh, she had mentioned that she didn't have any money for her ticket back from the island to go back to the mainland. No, I didn't have money, a lot to spend for that, right. yeah, to stay um, there. So as a way to kind of like me personally just mock her or just make fun? Because I will tell him, I can have whatever I want whenever I want. Like, I don't need to have money on me, and he, he couldn't understand that. Yeah. And then I, I had this wish, like I really wanted to make him a table. I wanted to take him to a special place that I thought was cool, not with the family. Because we have become friends and sometimes, you know, you need the material thing to do things. So I really, really wish that. So we were coming out of our walk. Yeah, so we had, um, we had walked to the top of a church uh-huh. and I mockingly told her, well, let's go pray for some money or something like that. I don't remember. 
No, we did not say that. Um, but we were walking down the hill, and I found like a wad of cash, uh, which was exactly what she needed. Like, to they were just in front of us. They How just much appeared. Money? We were like, like 40, 40, 40, 40 to 50 euros. So she, she was able to do a table for me or invite me to dinner. Yeah. So do a table is slang for... Uh-huh, I really did need a table. Yeah, so, um, and there's other experiences that we've had where she just tells me to believe, just believe, like things will happen, don't worry. Uh, which I have trouble understanding, but... Yeah, I, I, I always tell him, like, uh, if you have it in your heart, and if you wish it, and uh, if you, um, not, I, I'm not the person who tries too hard to make it. Like, I also, I'm a person who let things come the way they come. But is that wish, and is that preparation I have uh, with, with myself, with my thoughts, with my actions that uh, actually somehow things come the way I want after all. So, I don't know how this sounded. <laughs> Maybe we can just... It's beautiful. No, I think that's great. I mean, just so the audience knows, what were you doing in, in um, Greece? Um, so, I had just graduated college. It was uh, one of my things on my bucket list. And, and I wanted to uh, look into grad schools, but I, I was going through... Uh, some time where I just needed to think about things, but I was also getting called uh, by different people to do different projects and take pictures. And my sister invited me to go to Spain um, to um, document some protests that were going on. Um, people in the country were protesting the, the political instability, and it turned out that the whole country... <coughs> Sorry. It turned out that the whole country ended up walking uh, to Madrid uh, to put pressure on the um, and the and the government. Then they ended up changing the constitution to um, make life a little bit better uh, for people for, citizens, yeah. for the citizens in Spain. And the movement, um, because of the success, the movement expanded to the European Union. Um, they wanted to put the same amount of pressure than the parliament to um, to make some positive changes uh, to the citizens of, of Europe. Um, but while the, the movement was being organized, my sister invited me to go uh, to Greece to spend some time um, and go on holiday with the family. Um, just work on my tan a little bit. <laughs> and that's where I went. Um, it wasn't going to be more than a week or two um, because I, I wanted to f- go back to the group that I was following initially. What's the name of the group? Uh, they were known as as 15M or 15 March, 15th of March. Um, but we, we... Sorry, 15 May. Or 15 May. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> 15 May. I'm getting my months incurred. Um, and there's been other movements, and it, it just depends on what day of the month that um, the big uh, movement started. That's They just go by the date and month. Um, so we... That went 
to Spain. Or, sorry, let me backtrack a little bit. When I was in Greece, I didn't. I wasn't very sure if I wanted to go back to follow the the movement because they were going to walk from the, Madrid from, all the way up to Brussels. Yes, and we were going to follow a specific group that started in Barcelona that um, was going to walk to Brussels, and I didn't know if I wanted to walk a thousand miles. Um, but as I got to know Edini more and more. I asked her if she wanted to walk with me, especially because she had just told me that um, you had a lot of walking experience. <laughs> yeah, I went. That's a good pickup line. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know I have a lot of walking experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just walked from northern northern Greece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just come back from the trip. Yeah. And I needed someone to help me carry camera equipment. It was a poor excuse to invite her, but I asked her if she wanted to come, and then she said yes after some time. So what was your, we'll get to the, the walk that you both did together in a second, but the walk that you did, what was that for? Why did you walk across Greece? Um, I was doing it for the past two, like, almost the past three summers I was walking through Greece. Is it like a pilgrimage? Do you do it like? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was uh, just like, I just felt like walking. <laughs> like Forrest Gump, just felt like running. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> so your experience as a walker, what does that entail? <laughs> like what, it, what, what would, makes you a better walker than him or I? <laughs> I could walk for miles and I wouldn't be injured. Uh, I know how to, or tired, um, know how to manage the weather, um, know how to survive (laughs) on the road. So do you camp when you walk? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I used to camp or I used to be invited to people's houses, but I wasn't alone. I mean, I was with a few good friends. All right. So now you invite her, you accept. And you both head off to Madrid to start this walk? So we go to Barcelona. Um, I found out that the group had already left. And I was really stressed because I didn't know where they were. And we were supposed to meet up with them um, like two days later. And I I was freaking out. The Nidini was um, always reassuring me that things would work out. I just needed to have a little bit more faith. and we were trying to connect with other people that knew of the group, and we finally found them. So we ended up hitchhiking uh, from Barcelona um, about 600 miles um, to Glissant um, in France, where we finally found the group. And when we found them, we just went up to them and... It was South France. Yeah, it's Close border France. with Spain. So we ended up walking... 500 kilometers, which is how many miles is that? Well, like in the, during the process of the trip, I think we walked about 350 miles, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we found the group, um, it was a very anticlimactic event. <laughs> it was like, hey guys, we're here, um, mind if we walk with you? And They were welcome. Yeah, they were, they were welcoming. They just said, yeah, just uh, find a place to sleep and... Put up your tent. Put up your tent. We'll talk to you in the morning. Um, and that, that was the, the beginning of our journey. Mm-hmm. Um, every day, uh, 
the, the group was really well organized. Um, they would plan out the routes, and there was designated people that would uh, cook for the group, and they would also. Um, uh, they were they were being provided food from each village that right. they will they they will go to. Is there a way we can see these photos that you took? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How do we see them? I would like to share that with the audience. Um, I've got a Flickr account where we documented or eating. <clears throat> I actually didn't feel like taking pictures. So I gave her the camera and I told her to take pictures of her own experience uh, of the journey. So we have a lot of pictures on Flickr, which I'll share the link with you. Perfect. Yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes. Um, I have to warn you, there's a lot of... There's a lot of pictures of churches, because that's what Eden wanted to see. So, as an expert walker yes. that you are, how do you hold up for the 350 miles that you walk together? I was okay. Gilbert was getting injured. Yeah. So what is an injury that is sustained from a walker? Feet, blisters on the feet. Got a lot of blisters. Blisters, um, yeah. Shin splints? Did you get shin splints? Not, not so much. I was okay. I, I just had blisters, a lot of back pain, just from carrying a rucksack. Dehydration. Um, we also experience sometimes uh, like flus, like we, like mild flus. Um, diarrhea just from <laughs> eating bad food. Uh, one of the things that I took from my military experience was to always take toilet paper with you <laughs> and a good pair of socks, clean socks and toilet paper, and eating me also mentioned, like, why are you bringing toilet paper? <laughs> That's interesting a woman would ask that. I mean, I, all the women I know bring toilet paper wherever they Thank go. Thank you for embarrassing me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, here's the question. No, I will use the restrooms, so, uh, like, public restrooms. So. Okay. I never, I mean, yeah. <laughs> here's the question that everyone's wondering in their minds right now. Yeah. Who made the first move for the first kiss? Oh, wow. <laughs> we still argue about that. Uh, I think Gilbert tried to kiss me after like two weeks or so. Before you got to France? Before that. Oh, okay. When we were in Greece. Um, tried. It doesn't sound like it went well. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I hadn't said yes. And uh, not that I didn't like him. It was just a big step, a big change to, to take. Uh, it was a something that I wasn't ready for um, but then I said you know uh, these things come once time in life so I don't know I just felt I should take the risk <laughs> and this was on the walk for That's the for next day huh? that you kissed me well, the day after you tried, she, I think, she retaliated. Well, no, I, you know, actually, when I kissed you, I said yes, if you remember. Because well. mm -hmm. it's been a while, we haven't recovered our memories. Uh, yeah, so... Anyway, he wasn't asking me to go to Spain for a girlfriend thing. I mean, but uh, we had also this thing going on, like emotions. So it wasn't just the, the trip in Spain. So, yeah, I think he had tried earlier and because he's a very respectful man I think respectful yeah yeah he respected me a lot uh, and I think he was waiting when I was to feel ready so he left me that space and uh, when I got my decision like I just came close and it just happened <laughs> that's so, really pretty that's yeah nice. <laughs> 
And so you guys do this walk together, obviously, and there's a lot of time I'm imagining to talk <laughs> and judge him for his walking abilities. <laughs> and then so, I mean, this sounds like it happened pretty quick. Your relationship started growing, and yeah, so I mean, we, how long did it take to get married? We went he through. proposed me after yeah. two months we knew each other. Two months. You've been together now six years. It's seven. Seven, seven years. Yeah. We've been married six years. But don't forget, we work two months every day together. Yeah, so during that time, we went through a lot of hardships together. Mm-hmm. Um, on the trip? Yeah. yeah, so I think if you really want to know someone really well, go on a walk with <laughs> Walk across France? Walk across France for a month and see if you can stand each other. Uh, but I think the walk brought us closer because yeah. there was times that I got really sick and she would take care of me or I would get really hungry and out of the blue she would come up with this chef salad <laughs> from scratch. She would just go out in the forest and, and get all these ingredients. Um, and also same with her, if she felt sick, I would try to find a way to take care of her. Um, yeah, I, had, I have a problem with getting cold. If I get cold, my body gets cold, I just get a pain. He was very good on taking yeah, care of me. And I also felt the need to protect her. There was instances where the mm. police would come out and just start beating people. And even though I was there in to Paris, take yeah, that, that Paris, that was in Paris. even though I was there to take pictures, my first priority was to make sure she was safe. Um, or there was times that we were staying in people's basements, just fleeing the police. And I just needed to be sure that she felt safe and that she she was comfortable. Yeah, you just you just. Yeah. We got to know each other better, mm-hmm. like in difficult and like weird situations. So we were, um, we had just pitched our tent um, next to the Notre Dame on, on the river, and I knew that she was the one for me. Like I, something inside of me just clicked. That dream that I had just started making sense, and I didn't want to lose her. I, but want, we were coming on the end of the journey. I didn't want those moments to just be a memory and to say, hey guys, look what I did. Um, so I, I proposed to her. I, I didn't have a ring or I didn't have anything. Um, I had a lock with me from our rucksack. So I gave her a key to the lock. I think the key was better than a ring. Yeah, and then we put the lock <laughs> Um, on the bridge that was already full of locks, so I didn't know what that. And he said that um, that I had the key of his heart. Yeah, so I, I gave her the key to my heart. <laughs> I'll tell you what, this is probably the most romantic story that has ever been told on Misfits and Rejects, <laughs> which is amazing. Like you can really see and feel the connection, how it developed, mm-hmm. where you're at today. I mean, you have a beautiful daughter, Scarlett. How old, Scarlett? Like one two. and a half, two. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, you both have cultivated a really nice life for yourselves. You know, a simple life with that goal in mind of always being there for each other, taking care of your children, your child. And I mean, that's I think what a lot of people strive for, but lose sight of. I mean, you talked prior to the show like having to sacrifice some of the dreams for certain reasons. Mm-hmm. And you know, you in Greece not being given opportunities, being an Albanian and then always adapting and just moving forward. And like you are just a woman of faith who just knows it's gonna work out, converted him into somebody who is now more relaxed in the way he sees the world. (laughs) And I think that's just really cool. So as far as like 
what now? I mean, where are we going? Where are you guys going? What's, what are you trying to design from this point forward? I know we have the values down. We mm-hmm. understand kind of where you both come from spiritually, mentally, but like you must still have goals. Like you talked about that yeah, future vision. Yeah. Like what's we the- Actually, sometimes we are afraid because we want to make so many things that uh, it's not enough. Like we, you can't do it in a lifetime. <laughs> so sometimes we say, oh, I wish we could live longer. No? We have goals. Definitely, we we like to travel again. Um, we have traveled since then. Mm-hmm. Gone to. Well, we've gone to Mexico, like Mexico City. We've gone to. Um, we go to TJ at least once every one um, to two months. Things in California because I was fresh here. Hi, Scarlett's baby. here. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> Peepee. I'm sorry, she has two people. No problem. Are we almost done? I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. Well, it's something that... I'm sorry. That's okay. Everyone, we want to introduce you to Don... Donica. Don... Nika. Donica. It's a great name. <laughs> well, a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of good things in their own backyard. Um, so we've gone... We've gotten to see a lot of things for the first time here in California together. Mm-hmm. Like we've gone out yes, to yeah. Death Valley. Um, just we still camp there, yeah, and we still we camp. Do um, our we traveled to the Salton Sea, mm-hmm. um, Mammoth Mountains, Mammoth Mountains. Like we like exploring, um, just discovering things together. Even if it's my first time, even though I've lived here such a long time yeah I mean America is a great beautiful country that deserves the respect of people going around and checking it out I mean I've been around the world multiple times but I don't know that many places in America to be fair though I mean I'm saving it like it's easy to travel in America I speak English mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm saving that for my later years I'll get a motor home or do whatever and I'll spend time for sure mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's so many great places to see yeah and with our daughter we want her to have um you know, good values. We don't want to instill like our values, but we want her to formulate values that are good for her and that work for her. And we want her to travel. Mm-hmm. We want her to meet our families and and just um, in order for her to be able to communicate with that. She's we're teaching her four different languages just so she can talk to people in Spanish, like her cousins in Spanish and Greek and Albanian and English. Our main goal also for the past two, like, not the past, but um, it's our education. We also uh, have been very focused in me finishing my education and Gilbert um, doing what he loves with his education one day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you, Erini, can give us maybe one word of advice about life, about the world, about whatever you want, spirituality, that might inspire somebody to take that next step, that step that they might be afraid of, that step that many people think about but don't take, what would you say to them right now? There is nothing to lose. Mommy. Perfect. And how about you? Mommy. Um, one thing I learned in the trip is... Sorry, um, Mommy, sorry. Like before you can change the world, you gotta change yourself. You gotta look deep down and see what it is that 
first time. Zodius TV. You gotta look deep down and see what drives you, like what burns out fire. And then just start with yourself. And then from there you can influence other people and then eventually change the world. Beautifully said, my brother. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you and your wife. Well, thank you for coming over. Yeah, dude. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening. I mean, what a cool story these two have. You know, I was really just fascinated to learn about you know, their trials and tribulations of, you know, being immigrants for a period of time um, and then finding their love. And just, you can really see in the way they speak with each other and just the atmosphere that they've created within their household, how there's a lot of love, a lot of core belief systems that help them continue to move forward in their, their lifestyle design as they push for that, you know, life that they've, they really want and they really want to raise their, their children within. So thank you again. Please remember to follow me on Instagram. I'm heading back to Thailand going via Europe. I'll be, um, biting my bicycle actually with my father for a few weeks and we're riding from Prague to Dresden. So that'll be a really cool little adventure that you can kind of see, you know, father and son doing their thing. And, um, then I'm heading to Thailand from there. So, you know, I've saved like six grand, um, swinging the bat, really going to go out there and give it a shot. Hopefully don't have to come back and, and continue to work the odd jobs that I have been working in the States occasionally to put a little bit of extra cash in my pocket, but you never know. It's always a gamble. It's always uh, a, a struggle at times, but I can, I can definitely tell you that I'm really, really happy to do it and excited for what's to come and the adventures that are going to follow. So stick with me, check me out on Instagram and just keep listening to Misfits and Rejects. Subscribe, comment. I appreciate you. I love you all. I think you all are so very beautiful. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one but when in fact it, it's the perfect one for you and I'll see you next time